Good evening and happy new year and happy old year as well. So tonight's, I'm, I'm preaching tonight and tomorrow morning, and so tonight we're going to talk about the year past, and as a Christian, how to pass away and get away from that year and put it in its proper perspective. Tomorrow morning, we'll talk about how to welcome the new year, and we won't really talk about the year past. That's the way I want to do this. And so I want to start tonight by asking you a question. Does clutter stress you out? Just about everybody, even messy Marvins like me, I'm sorry Marvin, that wasn't a cut on you, I just have heard that term. Messy Marvins like me, it can stress me out. Not near as much as it stresses out my wife or family because I am a clutter guy. Um, my kids have grown up and gotten neater with time, and so we were all together again over the break, and they were decluttering and giving me lectures. In the I don't like role reversal. I just, I just told them I'm not real comfortable with this, but uh, when you do declutter, you remember you, you 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 like that feeling that it gives you peace as everything kind of finds its place, right? Some things just get rid of, other things they're they're organized, right? They have a proper place, and you can feel the the peace coming over you compared to the stress of clutter. Well. I believe that God, when he looks at our hearts, sees a lot of clutter because we're sinners. And we don't have it very well organized at times. And sometimes when we go looking back over a year or any era, we can have all kinds of feelings like sadness or guilt or anxiety or frustration, and we can just continue to go mull that over and over and over again because we don't know what to do with it. And God comes in with his word, and he says, I'm going to declutter your heart. And so tonight, I want you to think about organizing your thoughts as a Christian about 2016. That's really what I want you to do, okay? And so that's why I decided to not have just one scripture text. So this represents your heart, okay? Not just one scripture text, but have three, because I think these are three of the big ones. I'm not going to say they're the biggest, but they're three of the big ones that people have a cluttered heart about, and they don't realize as a Christian with God in His Son, Jesus Christ, they have what they need to deal with it and to put it in its right place. And although 2016 happened the way it did, it doesn't have to be baggage, unwanted clutter and baggage that you carry on into 2017. You really can get it squared away. So the first one is disappointments. So I want you to think about that. I'm going to pull this out of your heart. The disappointments of 2016. Now, one of my disappointments of 2016 was when I showed up at the office today to print it out in nice print, the printer's not listening to my computer. So that's up here somewhere on the corner, okay? We all have a lot of bigger disappointments than that. Maybe they didn't all come out of 2016, but you know what your disappointments are. It might be a relationship that slipped away and there's nothing more that you feel like you can say or do to rectify the damage. Maybe that you caused or someone else did. You're just disappointed. 
It might be disappointment in another person that's very close to you. And you just, they just can't seem to get it right with you or anybody else. And you, you live with that continual sadness or disappointment. It, it might be missed opportunities. And you know the moment has passed. And you're not going to get it back. And every time you revisit that memory of what happened and that, that opportunity missed, you, you have a, a, a disappointment that clutters your heart and keeps you from putting on a happy face because you live in the disappointment of it. It might be big, like in your life, like you've reached a, a place where you know you will not achieve a financial goal, and maybe it was a goal that was just to be somewhere where you would feel secure. Maybe it's not some lofty goal, but you just can't get it, and you're feeling deeply disappointed that it's past. You know, you can fill in the gaps so you know what your disappointments are, right? So what do you do with disappointments? Do you just keep mulling them over and analyzing them? And what if and only if and could, I just wish I had that one back. Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope in a future. Raise your hand if you've heard this one. See a lot of you have. It's Jeremiah 29:11. Who wrote it? Jeremiah. Who did he write it for? God. This is God. God is the I. I know the plans I have for you. Who's the recipient? People that are already in captivity over in Babylon. Not everyone was taken into captivity, so Jeremiah is still in Jerusalem. There's still a king there. He's a puppet king. There's still some people. But a whole bunch of people had gotten hauled off to Babylon, and they were deeply disappointed. Life was completely out of their control. Their plans for family life, for the Jerusalem dream, the Jewish dream of being around the temple of God, and, and, and being close to the, the mercy seat, all of that was taken away, and they wondered if God would do, and they thought the only way to get over the disappointment was for God to act on their timetable and get them back. But what had he said through Jeremiah the prophet was going to happen? The captivity would last for 70 years. Their life expectancy, if they stayed healthy, was only about 80 or 90, just like ours. So many of them knew when they were taken off into captivity at age 30, 40, that they were going to die in Babylon. Deep disappointment. And God says, I know the plans I have for you. And, he's, and, and, and right before this passage, he says, don't quit on life because you're disappointed. Instead, he says, marry each other you know your kid you get, get married have children settle down build houses and pray for the city that you live in and as you pray for that city and you live a godly life in that city i will prosper that city where you are i'm not god didn't say i'm going to bring you back in your lifetime he's he, he re, right after this quote he reiterates it's going to be 70 years but he says don't quit living because i have plans for you you fit in a bigger story right some of you studied that bible called the story and it talks about the upper story and lower story you fit in a bigger story think of an individual i'm telling you about the nation of israel but think of an individual who had a long story in the book of genesis 
that you don't really get the point until the very end of his story. You know who I'm talking about? His name is Joseph. Not the father of Jesus, but Joseph the brother, the coat of many colors. Brothers are jealous. They sell him into slavery. He, the guy that bought him, his wife, lies about him and says he tried to rape her. He gets thrown into jail. This is all taking years to happen. He's in jail for several years. A couple of guys are in jail that are from the, the Pharaoh's house, a butler, the, the cupbearer and the baker. And he says, please remember me when you get back to the, to the, the uh, cupbearer. He forgot him. Probably this whole thing took about 20 years. What if... One of those years was like the disappointments for just was his year 2016. What if a year in the middle of those 20 was this last year? What would you tell Joseph if he came to church tonight disappointed? Um, we know the story. Just wait. It's going to all come together in spades, right? God's got plans for you. And the plans included that Joseph would be a bigger blessing if he would be patient with the Lord as he positioned him to where he wanted him and molded his heart to trust God's love instead of God's vengeance. Because remember when the brothers came, he said, am I in the place of God? You intended harm for me, but God meant it for good. God wanted to use that long saga his way for his story. So Joseph, you would say, and this is for you, and if your year 2016 is in the middle of that, why don't you just shelve your disappointments? Do you know what I mean by that? You, when you organize and you're decluttering and you shelve it, I remember when we had someone took the daunting task of trying to help me declutter and she said, put it all in a box and label it and shove it away and you'll know it's in that box and you can deal with it later and shelve it. Stop combing through it, walking around it, stepping over it. Stop stepping over the disappointments of 2016. Put them in a box and shelve them. You know why? Because God says he's got plans for you and he's going to work that disappointment out his way for you and the benefit of others in his timing. You can bank on it because it's in the word of God. So you can put it in a box and stop fondling it. Let it go. You don't have to live in disappointment. There's no reason to live in that pain. Let it be, let it be shelved. So... But what if the pain is I'm upset with myself because I sinned. I made some big mistakes. I had some pretty big failures. I'm, ups I'm just, the damage I've done to myself, to God's reputation, others, or just, just, I'm just shamed in my heart. So my sins of 2016 are really my, my problem. They're cluttering up my life and I can't seem to shake them. Look at the next Bible verse. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So I guess what I'm saying is, if you were sitting there saying, well, I really don't have anything I'm really ashamed of. Well, I'm saying you better go look again. <laughs> you got some things you should be ashamed of, right? We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... God, that was a sin. I was wrong. It, there's no other way to say it. He is faithful and just to, and will forgive us our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. Say those last two words again with me. All unrighteousness. 
This sheet represents all the sins of 2016. And I think there we should shred them. Don't you? These are your sins of 2016, so let's just shred them. You shred stuff at your house? Yeah, this better work. <laughs> it worked before church. Disappointment. All right, who's the demon that got into my... There it goes. My sins. You know, Mary makes us shred every address that has our name on it because she doesn't want our identity stolen. Um, that's tedious, by the way. But <laughs> you cannot put that back together successfully, can you? That's why we shred it because we defy someone to do that. So when I say Jesus forgives your sins when we say that and the bible says that we say shred them we mean make them unrecognizable he was made unrecognizable on the cross so that our sins would be unrecognizable to god and to us he wants them shredded i, I after i shred something i don't think about it any longer I, I mean what's the use i can't put it back together shred those sins shred them confess it it was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. But the cross says, get over it. You're forgiven. You're loved. If you confess your sin, God is faithful and will forgive you of your sin. And there is no room for a punitive self. Like you still got to punish yourself over and over again. Just by the fact that you keep trying to remember them, you are your own worst enemy. Shred them. Let them go. Get rid of them. Take them to the dumpster. That's what Jesus did. And the Lord wants us to be happy with grace. He wants us to get over our sins. But before I leave this one, i got to talk about this one. Other people's sins of 2016. That's the other side of that coin. If you're shredding your own, well, pick up theirs too. And take them over to the shredder and all those things that you've been mad at people about. You've been upset, disappointed. They shouldn't have. They hurt me. Just shred them. Just forgive. Make them unrecognizable in the blood of Christ. Stop living with your anger toward them. You're responsible for that anger because you've heard the great news that God forgives them just as much as he forgives you. Shred them. Let them go. You're forgiven, they're forgiven. Let's live in grace. Let's, let, let's share it. He doesn't want you to live with that kind of that frustration and anger. He wants you to shred it. And you might think, blessings of 2016. Now that doesn't clutter my life. Well, just wait a minute. I heard it again this year by a couple of families. Someone in the family said, don't buy me any presents. I got enough junk. Take that money and give it to charity and tell me where you gave it so I can celebrate that. Because for them, more the stuff that was material was, was clutter. It was a, but blessings can be that way. That's just an example. But blessings can be that way if you don't treat them right. Let me give you an example. The ten lepers. Remember that true story of the ten guys with leprosy, the, the, the terminal illness? And, and they're ostracized, and Jesus is walking through the community, right? And he, they see him, and they hear he heals people. So they all run up to him. 
Messiah, heal us. And he heals every single one of them. He says, go show yourselves to the priest is what you did if you were healed. The, the priest would verify it. Go show yourself to the priest. And on their way, as they're walking away from him, they realize that all that debilitating, rotting flesh was gone and they had fresh baby skin. And what happened? They went their way rejoicing, except for one. What did he do with the blessing? He ran back. He ran back to his Savior, to God. And he said, there's only one thing I can do with this. I have to thank you because you shared your healing power with me graciously. And I just want to say thanks. You shared with me. And Jesus said, weren't there 10 people healed? Why is only one back to say thank you? The Lord wants to be thanked. Do you want to be thanked? You bet. And that's not all childish on your part. It's a mark of recognition of the sharing that I shared with you, and I want you to, to recognize it back to me. The Lord wants to be thanked, not because he's needy or pouty, but because that's what good relationships are made of. And blessings aren't put in their proper place until they're, the, the giver is thanked for sharing them. God owns everything. Absolutely everything. Us, this world, the universe, absolutely, he owns it all. And he dared to create this soul, give you a body, put the soul in it, and let you share for a little while. Everything you have is a gracious gift from him. And the fact that he didn't zap you the first time you made your parents run just because you were selfish and not because you were hungry, and every time after that that you sinned is as graciousness in letting you share time with him on this planet here. Everything's about him sharing what's already his. He shares, and he wants to be thanked. And when you do thank him, you feel his pleasure. You know. It's, it's this one-on-one. I, I really am thankful, Lord, that you let me be a part of this world and experience that. And think of the blessings you have. Think of your family. You've already gotten rid of the disappointments. You've forgiven all the sins. So think about your family. Think about your parents, your, ch your children, your siblings, brothers and sisters, your grandkids, your, your dearest friends. Think about them. God lets you share with them. He decided. He put you in the family. Think about your, your, your church here. Think about the blessings we have. Think about your country, your education, your transportation, your earning potential, your house, your pets, your entertainment. When I was a kid, I used to, as a teenager, I used to stand at the petting zoo in the FFA barn as a, a FFA officer and listen to the Texas OU game in the Cotton Bowl at the state fair. I was just right outside the door. The crowd would roar. And I'd think, what's happening? What's happening? That's before texting and cell phones and all that stuff, right? I got to sit in the Cotton Bowl this week and watch the Cotton Bowl. I mean, it's the Dallas Bowl in the Cotton Bowl. I'm going to go to the Cotton Bowl in Jerry's World this week. I thought, man, what a deal, God, that you would let me do that. And I could look on the sideline, even though he's not yet playing, and see my, my family name on the back of his jersey. Oh, that's a daddy's pride. That's a gift. 
That's nothing earned. What a treasure. What a moment, right? And you have all those moments too, don't you? So what do you do with blessings? Right now, all the ones you're thinking about in your life, thank Him. Right now in your heart, just say, thank you, Lord. Right? Hey, let's do it together. Just say it out loud. Ready? Just in the, On the count of three, we'll just all say, thank you, Lord. One, two, three. Doesn't that feel great? And if he loves to share with you, you know, a mark of you being thankful is you sharing what he shared with you with other people. That you actually share with them. A stingy person is an ungrateful person because somehow they think they earned it and they've got to be the one to protect them, protect it for themselves. It all comes from the same source of, of, of a lack of gratitude, a lack of recognition that it's all a gift from God. So we're going we're gonna to be thankful for our blessings, and then they're going to be on the proper shelf. And 2016 had a bunch of blessings. And if you're not otherwise distracted tonight after this service, sit down with a sheet of paper and just write down the blessings of 2016 in any way imaginable and just say a prayer, God, thank you that you gave me that year. And even the disappointments, because remember, what are they going to be? Part of the grand story of how he's going to work out your life. So thank you for your word tonight, Lord, that you put all this in a proper perspective. They were not perfect but in my mind they were near perfect some of you remember them Harold and Barb Johnny they were contented people very content we got to have them here for what three and a half four years Uh, they lived on mission for God their whole life Pastor Harold Johnny and Barbara they're both in glory now They, they spent their first 17 years in ministry in the, in the United States. And then they, with, with five children at the time, they got the call to go to Japan as missionaries. And they picked them all up, and they went to Japan. They had two more there. They stayed there 17 years. It was not easy. And then they came back, and he taught at the seminary about 12 years and did some time over in Nigeria, and then came down here at the, I think he started here at the age of 70 or 73. It was right about that time to be part-time helping us here at Holy Word. I remember talking to Barbara one time about moving to Japan and then moving back and then moving to Texas. And they moved and lived in this house right down here. And they said, every time we moved, we purged. You do too, right? We purged out of our house. But she said, when we moved to Japan, almost because it cost so much to ship, almost everything we sold or gave away. We brought more back than we took, but we got rid of a bunch when we came back. And she said, you know what? It was always a cleansing experience. You can see her saying that with a twinkle in her eye. It was cleansing. Because I was thinking, you know, you had to give up. I'm a sentimental guy, right? I'll, I'll save a stick that I carved when I was 15. I've got one. It's a little canoe. I wasn't even 15. I was 10, right? I don't want to tell Mary where it is. It'll go out the door, okay? But I save stuff like that, but she doesn't, right? But, but Barbara said it's cleansing. It's freedom. And that brought her happiness. The reason I bring that up is I want you to have that about 2016. You're cleansed now. 
You got rid of your sins. You got rid of other people's sins. You put disappointment in the right place. You put your blessings in the right place. Move like they did. Move on now to 2017. You'll have memories, but sanctify them by the word of God that you've heard. And read this verse with me out loud. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. By His grace, we made it to the end of another calendar year. Let's give thanks. It's a great circumstance.